You're listening to Wharfside, stories from Portland Harbor's working waterfront. I'm Galen Koch. Today, I'm at the International Marine Terminal. Starting just east of the Casco Bay Bridge in Portland, the International Marine Terminal is part of the Waterfront Port Development Zone. This is the Port of Portland on the Portland side of the Four River. Even as far back as the 70s and 80s, people looked at this end of the waterfront and said, here is the area that is most appropriate to be used for industrial activities. That's Jeff Monroe, the Director of Ports and Transportation for the City of Portland from 1998 to 2008. It's not an accident that port activities on this side of the Four River are clustered around Portland Harbor's deep water, rail lines, and access to the highway. Zoning recommendations submitted to the city in 1993 have dictated regulations on the western waterfront for 24 years. The area is zoned for waterborne commerce, with height limits of 45 feet from the terminal to Cassidy Point. But new development opportunities at the International Marine Terminal have prompted a citywide conversation about changes to the zone. And now the West End community of business owners and residents face a familiar dilemma. How does Portland's waterfront develop and move into the future while maintaining the history and character of the city? The story of Portland's waterfront over the last 30 to 40 years is one of growth, development, preservation, and constant planning. In order to understand what's happening now, we have to look back into history. The first major waterfront referendum came in the late 1980s, after the Liberty Group built condominiums on Chandler's Wharf. As some pier owners contemplated more condo development, residents took action and passed a five-year moratorium on all non-marine development on the waterfront. There was a group that was called Keep the Port in Portland that sort of threw their hands up and said, that's it, you know, referendum, and we're going to pass a referendum that says uh, nothing for five years that, that, that is, it can only be marine. Charlie Poole is the president of the proprietors of Union Wharf and one of the founding members of the Waterfront Alliance. When the moratorium passed, pier owners like Charlie started to worry about how they would afford pier maintenance without diverse businesses. One of the problems is what's marine? How do you define what is a marine use? Commercial Street, years ago, you would have said a bank could be a marine use because this is where all the businesses operated and, you know, fish and and cargo and whatever, and they needed a bank to be part of their ability to operate. So, you know, where do you draw the line? As I used to say, the referendum sort of said, if you don't have... Uh, foul weather gear and a codfish slung over your shoulder, you're not considered Marines. The city of Portland faced a daunting task in the late 1980s. How could zoning be created that supported marine industry, business development, and residential and recreational uses? The city turned to the Waterfront Alliance, a group formed in the mid-80s to foster discussion and build relationships among waterfront interests. Armin Demers was a founding member. And we put together a 36-member board, which is a huge board, that could only operate on 100% consensus. So you had to have 36 votes for to do anything. And it was a very diverse group. The presidents of the five major neighborhood groups, uh, environmentalists, Friends of Casco Bay, Keep the Port in Portland, the Coast Guard, uh, the two, two cities of South Portland and Portland. So it's a very diverse group. Together, the board drafted the Waterfront Alliance recommendations to the city of Portland over a period of three to four years, submitting the proposal in 1992. 
So it took us a while to do it, but we wrote the ordinance, which is, uh, was three sections, the Eastern Development Zone, the Central Zone, and the Western Zone. And by, by 1992, when the referendum ended, we had that ready to go in, the, and it was accepted by the city government and is in existence today. That's Dick Ingalls, former chairman of the Waterfront Alliance. After more deliberations and compromises in city council meetings, the new zoning referendum was passed in 1996. The initial recommendations proposed by the Waterfront Alliance remain the backbone of waterfront development today. The central waterfront zone is a mixed-use zone. Amendments to the zoning in 2006 and 2010 now allow more space for non-marine-related uses, depending on the needs of industries and pier owners. But preferences still given to marine-related businesses and restrictions on certain types of development apply. In 1998, under the direction of Jeff Monroe, the Department of Ports and Transportation began to move the passenger terminals under the Casco Bay Bridge to the Eastern Port Development Zone to consolidate tourism and passenger transit to the east side of the Main State Pier. We needed to rationalize the waterfront so we could take the step that it's taking now, right? And all of the activity at the one facility had to be separated. The city prepared the western waterfront for its original intended use, to ensure the viability of the Port of Portland. Their efforts focused on the International Marine Terminal. We had already done the study in 1997 that said best thing for the state to do was to come in and, and take it over. So in 1998, um, they began the process of negotiating with the uh, Maine Port Authority to actually step in and and take it on. The main port authority began leasing the terminal from the city in 2009. The port is now a hub of activity, and the partnership with the Icelandic shipping company Aimskip has placed Portland at the center of international shipping routes to the North Atlantic. Development in this industrial zone is relatively recent, but it's the result of years of planning. Ann Pringle is the president of the Western Prom Neighborhood Association and former city council representative of District 2. Ann was on the city council during the initial zoning regulations. Now she and other neighbors in the West End are involved in new discussions with the city and Maine Port Authority about changes to the 1993 regulations. So there was a huge debate about all the waterfront zoning in 1993, long time ago including this part. And so it was determined that 45 feet was an adequate height reflecting the rest of the waterfront at that time with some provision for taller buildings for bulk storage, which is what Merrill Sprague were doing. And now the city is saying, well, we've determined on some basis that that isn't adequate and that we think a 70-foot height across the whole zone, except for the Sprague-Merrill site, is more appropriate in opening opportunities for water-dependent uses. The city's zoning plans came on the heels of an announcement that Americold is building a cold storage warehouse as part of the terminal's intermodal transportation facility. In order to make their 20 to $30 million investment viable, Americold has proposed a building that would reach 68 feet at its highest point to have space for 15,800 cold storage pallets and 5,000 dry storage pallets. The footprint of the new development is limiting, Americold can't build out, so they have to build up. And that's a problem for some residents. The land has been vacant for 
probably 50, 60 years. And as you can imagine, people have had this phenomenal view looking over it. And they're saying, you know, now this is going to impact my view. They're not saying we're opposed to storage or other marine uses, but there has to be some balance between the needs of the waterfront and the people who've made an investment in their properties overlooking the site, significant investments. There are concerns about changing the zoning to 70 feet. Residents on streets on the hill above the western waterfront worry about viewshed and what a 70-foot tall building will look like from Commercial Street. Tuck O'Brien is the director of planning for the city of Portland. According to him, it's unfortunate that zoning and the new cold storage building have become so intertwined. In reality, regardless of the specific requirements of AmeriCold, the value of the port in the 21st century to the city and to the state and to the region and the need for some sort of refrigerating warehousing facility to allow those things to occur is really what this conversation is about. The zoning for the port was written in 1992 and we're hearing from a number of stakeholders that it doesn't work and it's not just from AmeriCold, it's from other landowners in the area. We're looking at what the needs are of this changing industry in 2016 and trying to couple that with the concerns we're hearing from the community. Here's Jeff Monroe again. Our entire industrial waterfront is right here, right? And most of this is very commercial in here and this is very touristy. This is all we got left. We got less than a mile of industrial waterfront in Portland, which is one of the most critical areas, not just to the city, but it's to the region, it's to the state, and it's to northern New England. When zoning for the Port of Portland was written in 1992, it was impossible to imagine the changes that would take place in Maine's economy. Cod landings in Maine reached almost 13 million pounds in 1991, compared with about 250,000 pounds in 2015. As managing director of Ames Skip, Lars Eastfeld is excited about the cold storage warehouse. He projects that in just a few years, 50 to 60 percent of the new facility at the terminal would hold pallets of frozen fish from Norway and Iceland. We would bring uh, on a vessel, let's say, 100 containers of uh, frozen fish from Norway. 90 to 95 percent of them would go into cold storage uh, directly from the vessel. Uh, that's 90 containers times 20 pallets, so that's about 1,800 pallets that would go directly into cold storage. It would happen here every other week, and uh, the customers can have those pallets in storage sometimes up to two, three, four months, depending on the season. Currently, those 1,800 pallets of frozen fish are trucked from the terminal to cold storage warehouses in Boston. Having the cold storage here um, in many cases, and it's on a case-by-case -case basis, but in many cases means that the freight, the materials are tra traveling a shorter distance to the companies that exist in Maine. There's some efficiencies gained by not having to truck so far because there's a lot of waste when people are having to truck all the way down to Massachusetts and then all the way back. That's Patrick Arnold, president of Soli DG, the company that manages operations at the terminal. From the perspective of the Maine Port Authority, Soli DG, and Ameskip, the value of a cold storage facility on the waterfront extends to businesses beyond the terminal. We don't need to be big in Maine because Maine only has one million people. So we don't need to be as big as New York to be successful. We, however, need to have some infrastructure. And that I think that's what has been neglected in the last 50 years is that the, the infrastructure has simply not been in place, and that's been driving away 
the manufacturing facilities and is not uh, creating the optimal space for these uh, facilities to open up shop and, and, and be and help in the economy. The cold storage warehouse on the western waterfront is still in the first stages of development. Citizens are worried about a big white box that obstructs views of the water for residents and visitors. John Henshaw of the Maine Port Authority says they haven't released any official building proposal. So uh, anytime you don't have something you can specifically talk to, then um, then people will uh, get it in their minds, whatever it is they think that it might be. We sort of like to turn that problem on its head. We want to think of what, what the opportunity is. What, what could this be in the city? What could we build that was both functional, economically viable, and beautiful? And that's really the objective here. The Maine Port Authority, Aimskip, and Soli DG have hired the local architecture firm Canal 5 to design the cold storage facility. And for Tuck O'Brien, height is just one variable. A change in height could mean that the city can develop more regulations in other aspects of design. And, and right now, th there is no building. Uh, there's been some different renderings, some conceptual ideas that have been put forward, but until we have the regulations in place until there are the rules, there's no ability to build that building. As a city, you know, we need to be, this is a community conversation about what our shared values are. Uh, our values for economic development, for job creation, for housing, for livability, uh, the importance of the water, both from the standpoint of people's investments in their homes, but also from, we're a maritime people. And we've had zoning in this community since the 20s and every, now and again, you know, we revisit that. That's the way democracy works. As conversations about building heights continue on the Western waterfront, it's important to remember the work that came before. The Waterfront Alliance members and city councilors, like Ann Pringle, who sat down and compromised to come up with regulations some 24 years ago. This isn't just the vision of the city council or the city manager or the current mayor. It's the vision of the city. I mean, we all care about our city. So I think it's kind of exciting, but it's, it makes it complicated <laughs> and it can get very contentious and people need to listen to each other. I mean, to me, that's an important thing. Development and planning take time. 24 years after Portland's working waterfront was reimagined, the story of the waterfront port development zone is just beginning. It's impossible to predict the future, but the hope is that the city of Portland can continue to come together to plan and prepare for what comes next. This story for Wharfside, Stories from Portland Harbor's Working Waterfront, was funded by the Maine Port Authority and reviewed by the Waterfront Alliance. Thanks for listening.